Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Well, happy motherfucking Friday, everybody. Look at that. Just like that. Boom. No, let's be honest. This was a four-day work week that felt like an eight-day work week. This was a long week. It's because everything is so, everything's mental, right? It's all mental. It's all in your mind. So when you know going into this week, right, you enter, it's Tuesday. For the typical person, you you started your work week on Tuesday. So in your mind, you're like, great, short week, short week, short week. If you're constant, if you constantly have that thought in your head, of course, it's going to seem longer because you're really setting yourself up for, uh, it's, I thought it was a short week. But I, I think that if we, if we go into Tuesday feeling like it's a Monday and trying not to screw up in any way, shape, or form surrounding that, I mean, like sending the wrong things because it's the wrong day, then maybe we'll set ourselves up for a little bit of happiness going forward on these four-day weeks. Set ourselves up for happiness. Set yourself up <laughs> for an actual short work week on a short work week. We have a really interesting episode of After 9 coming your way here. I think Dave is going to join us soon. He is currently locked in speaking to the future of broadcasting in Canada. He's speaking oh. to a class. And that's always, by the way, that's always interesting on Zoom. Have you done a Zoom dealio yet? Uh, actually, I did do one. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I just feel for the student. I feel for any student right now who just has to learn via Zoom because I feel like obviously they're not getting everything that, that they want to. Or probably, that they paid for. Or that they paid for. Fuck. There's another one and it's not like it's the professor's or the teacher's fault. Yes, they, it they, is. They, <laughs> it's their fault. They're the ones who are stalling. Fault? They don't want to go back. Uh, yeah, and that's a lot of schools across the board are doing mm-hmm. are like that, right? I'm talking post-secondary. I'm not going to speak yes. for the yeah. the elementary or high school, but yeah. you know, I'm dealing with this with two different kids because I've got one in Canada and one in the States, right. and the difference could not be any more stark. Right. In the States, business as usual. They're not even wearing masks. Uh, they're just recommended, and most people don't. They're doing their regular stuff. They're learning. They're getting that experience that they're paying for. Here, half the time they've been kicked out of their dorms because of fucking Omicron, and which even the chief medical officers have agreed this was a joke. I don't know what we shut down for. Um, we've got students that can't get into their res. We've got classes that are being done virtually, and still nobody has stood up for the kids. Now these universities are taking it even further with saying, yeah, even when the mask mandate is gone, we're going to keep it till at least the end of the semester. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? What, what don't you guys understand that the chief medical officers and everyone else does? Uh, actually, just yesterday, Dr. Kieran Moore. Oh, here we go, Kieran. Whose initials are DKM. He did a news conference yesterday and he announced, oh, it's going to be one of his last ones. March the 10th is going to be the last scheduled chief medical officer of health weekly update. And then he will only come out and provide updates when they're necessary. He's going to go back into his doctor cave. I guess so. Well, I mean, the whole point of this is to dial back the fear, sure. right? And and start and we should and start normalizing it and let people feel like they're living their lives again. But he did get asked some fairly good questions yesterday. Okay. This is one that I want to play in particular because it's a subject that really it turned a lot of people, myself included, when we started firing people over the vaccinations, when there was a perfectly good option there of testing. Mm-hmm. So here's Dr. Kieran Moore yesterday. Once the health ministry directive uh, regarding vaccination policies for hospital employees um, is lifted, um, is it going to be your advice um, that it would be a greater benefit for hospitals to rehire nurses who lost their jobs because they didn't meet their hospital's vaccination policy? Um, 
or you know, would it be better for these nurses to not be rehired because of the you know, additional risk that they would still continue to pose? So thanks for that question. I, I just have to be clear. Uh, the directives from the CMH office are, are, are meant to be time limited, uh, and they um, are to be an immediate risk to the health uh, of the population. Uh, and so we, we are uh, forced to review any directive that's in place, given that um, we're, we're, we're at a different phase uh, of the pandemic uh, and the risk is decreasing day by day. So uh, it, 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 it is always necessary for me to review all directives that are written by the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Um, so I, I don't want anyone listening to say I, I don't endorse immunization of healthcare workers or policies to uh, immunize healthcare workers. Uh, uh, what we're asking now is if, if the directive has to be removed, we're asking all of our healthcare partners to uh, uh, reflect on their current policies. Uh, uh, I would suggest they do adopt an immunization policy for new hires, uh, especially, uh, and or for those that were let go, and that the corporations that uh, have let any individuals go have to reflect on their policy. But we won't be prescriptive in any way. Um, uh, I absolutely, 100%, endorse anyone providing care to a vulnerable member of our community to be immunized. Mm -hmm. Is, is, okay. I, I still don't understand what he's saying, though. Is he? I, I get that he's saying we won't mandate it at the provincial level, but they also didn't mandate firing people at the provincial level. They left the hospitals to have the flexibility and freedom to do as they choose. Is he saying that we have enough nurses and doctors and we don't need any more? Because we could hire these people back if they're even willing to come back. And I don't know that all of them are. Well, and that's the thing. You leave someone hanging for so long. They probably found other other things, private practices and such and so forth. The early retirements and whatever it might be. I feel like they've probably figured out their next chapter at this point. But I'm wondering about that, though. I mean, if you guys were the ones who set us on a path to fire all these people, this is Kieran Moore, Doug Ford, Christine Elliott, that that motley crew there from the pandemic. Yeah. Fuck you, Doug! <laughs> if they wanted this done during the pandemic, but now even the doctor can acknowledge that the emergency is over, why wouldn't they mandate that you hire them back? I mean, these are people that were hired into the provincial system. They were working for the people. They were in hospitals mm. providing care. And if there's no emergency doctor, then why don't you instruct them to hire them back? Like, take a stand here. This wishy-washy down the middle, eh, if they want to, they can. If they don't want to, they don't have to. Who's calling the shots here? You're the top doctor. Right. You and, call the shots. And because it is hospital by hospital, though, you have to figure, and we heard about the the nurses and doctors that were hired that um, get to skip all of the processes, right? And were hired um, a while back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they could be full. I mean, the truth is a lot of hospitals could absolutely have what they need. So you can't really force people to hire someone back if you're like, we don't have room for you. Or yeah, okay, you can come back. Your schedule is three days a week. Like, no, that doesn't work for most people. I Or two days a week or whatever, because that's all we really have right now. It's quite possible. And I'd love to hear from people who are working in the hospitals that can tell us how, how it's looking. Like, um, just capacity wise are are you full in terms of employment are you, do you have enough nurses and doctors and everyone you need to run those shifts and PSWs and maybe that's the case maybe i mean you can't mandate people to 
to hire those people back when, like I said, you might, sure, you could do that, but there's going to be a lot of people offered really shitty positions because I don't think that they would be one of those, you're hired back to the exact position that you were hired back to before. It's a new thing, right? So I, I don't see that happening. I don't think it would need to be uh, you have to hire them back and, and the hospitals will screw around and play HR games and give them a shittier position or something like that. I just think it's as simple as if you were working in the system and doing a great job and you did through the entire pandemic, keeping people alive, and then we unsanctimoniously fired you and cut you off of EI and all that sort of nonsense that we did there for a few months, uh, now that should all be lifted. If there's no more risk, if there's no more danger, then I think they absolutely should should take a stand on this. You should be able to apply is what you mean for any future positions going forward. I just think that you were already in the system anyway. You were already trained. uh, We've already got your banking info and your SIN number. I think we should just say, you know what, if you're someone who did get fired, call this 1-800 number and we'll get you placed back into a position of equal or more value. They should do something for those people that we totally screwed over. Um, I I don't disagree with him on new hires, but for the others, I don't see why we would, uh, if we fired them because of their vaccination status, Mm -hmm. and now that's not an issue, I don't understand why they would still be fired. Uh, It could could happen. We could hear some changes coming in in the next few weeks. I have no doubt about it. Eventually, we will have that happening, but I don't know when. How much have you learned about the geopolitical politics of the Ukraine and the Eastern Europe's and Russia over the last little while? I'm, you know, a few things and I still feel confused. I, I still feel confused in terms of what the fuck is Russia doing? Right. Like, what is, what are you really doing? And that part scares me. You know, that part does scare me. We know that, we know what they've been doing the last couple of days. Was this going on to the third day of invasion Um, at this point? Well, the time difference makes it a little harder, but they invaded early Thursday morning, and this is Friday morning, so this is day two. Uh, I do have a rough estimate death toll. They say more than 100 Ukrainians have reportedly been killed since Russia first invaded early Thursday morning. Uh, Now Russian forces are advancing on Kyiv from the north with Ukrainian military reporting significant fighting in the northwest area of the capital. It's fully expected that Russia is going to take the Ukrainian capital this weekend. It's remarkable how quick they went in there. they're, They're scaring the shit out of a lot of people, Scott. They're scaring the shit out of yeah, me, me and I'm I mean, just sitting here watching the fucking videos on Instagram. And this is the thing, and I think that that's where the fear comes from too. Is I'm seeing a lot of it. Instagram's one, TikTok is another one. Everywhere, right? Everywhere you go, you're seeing footage, and it's scary stuff, and it freaking people out. We had an Amber Alert. Thank heaven, the little girl was found. Everything was good, but it actually came from where we broadcast our our radio show. So it was all hands on deck. Uh, early hours of the morning to find that one-year-old, to find the vehicle. Uh, suspect was since arrested. Everything's good there. But that said, we had someone say that they were scared shitless when they heard that alarm and so glad for Amber Alerts. But they thought, because on their mind constantly is what's happening in Ukraine, their distrust of Russia had them thinking that we could possibly be under attack here. And that like keeps them, it seemed to keep them up at night. And I get it because the fear is is real. I think a lot of us feel a little bit afraid. I really, and again, we mentioned it yesterday, but I really just still feel so helpless. And I'm the more images you see of like families being torn apart there, trying to keep kids safe, right? And get kids on the bus with kids and moms and things like that. Get them out of these cities. Get them out, get them out, get them out. And seeing the families like cry, saying goodbye. I saw this one video of this little girl having to say goodbye to her dad because her dad stayed back or and, and they went on and... It was just, it's just horrible. So how can you have someone that's like, Putin's the fucking devil right now. And I don't understand. How, tell, tell me, please, if you know, 
is how does Russia feel? How does the whole of Russia, and that's a big fucking place, feel about this right now? How do they feel? Uh, do they feel good? It, it, it's hard to say. I, I mean, they've certainly been given their narrative by their government. And in times of crisis, people do turn to their leadership. And and I'm sure that there are some Russians who have taken what uh, President Putin said and taken it at face value and thought, OK, well, I guess this is justified. And in their mind, they'll justify it because their government says well, it's OK. What's their justification, though? Like, I'm still unclear of what they what their reasoning is. Uh, there's a, a lot of speculation. Uh, and then there's the official stance. Uh, many feel that Ukraine is becoming too close to the West and that would involve too much of the West in Russia's backyard. And they don't want that. So the best way to quell that is to keep Ukraine under Russian control. Uh, there's a lot of people that feel it's the shipping port in Russia. That was the first place they went when they took it over. They want control of that. Uh, there's a lot of people who feel that Russia is really just involved in in trying to get pipelines built so they can ship their oil everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Um, generally speaking, Joe Biden took an interesting stance yesterday when he said he believes Putin has uh, an agenda to rebuild the old USSR, the Soviet Union. Right. And, hey, I don't know what his plan is, and I really don't understand the politics of that region. I, I'm not even going to pretend that I do. So I don't know which of those stories is true, or maybe there's truth to all of those theories. Either way, I just thought that in 2022, when so many countries in the world have advanced nuclear weapons, ballistic weapons that can go up into space and make it to the other side of the world in <clears throat> a relatively short amount of time. If they were to attack us, for example, with nuclear weapons, we wouldn't have a whole lot of warning that it was coming. Mm -hmm. Nobody would. And, and that goes for anybody. The U.S. could launch an attack. Russia could launch an attack. China, India, it doesn't matter who it is. They could, and those missiles can get a very long distance very quickly, and they could kill massive amounts of people. Absolutely. And since we have that kind of firepower, and I thought that the world was on a, a good enough term that we could all just sort of agree that no matter what, there's not going to be a war. We will. It's almost like when you are just sick to death of your partner and, and you, know, you just can't even stand looking at their face. But we're not getting divorced. We're not getting divorced. We will find a way to make it work. It's almost like the world should adopt that policy. And no matter how bad things get between the U.S. and China or how bad things get between Russia and Ukraine or whatever, it just won't come to war. And if somebody does take that awful step of sending their military into another country mm -hmm. unprovoked, the whole world turns on them. It would be nice if we could get to a point where everybody was afraid to start a war. In this case, Putin wasn't afraid at all. And he scared a lot of people yesterday when he made that statement that if the West tries to interfere in Russia's operation right now, they will face consequences like they have never seen before in their history. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's scary stuff. That's Is he threatening scary. a nuclear attack? Is that what he's threatening? Because that's it pretty sounds, intimidating. I, I mean, it certainly sounds like it. It's just it's just absolutely heartbreaking because you can't help but see the images of this happening and then think about it in your own backyard. You know, you think about that in your own backyard. If, if that was happening to us, wouldn't you want someone to help you? Like, you would want all the help you possibly could. You can't look at that and not 
help. That's how I feel. Like I just, I, I can't imagine a world where we just turn away and like pretend it's not happening. It's it's insane to me. But a lot of other questions, like why the fuck did they take over Chernobyl? It's like the toxic wasteland. What are they doing? Well, I mean, uh, there's certainly some resources there. So if they control the power, then they control the the power, and and the world needs power to to move on. And, And so does Ukraine. So if they control a power supply, that's one thing. Taking over the plant could be a strategic thing. Again, I'm I'm not even going to pretend I know a lot about the politics of the region. I, I really don't. So I'm going to uh, defer on that. But I, again, the message is very simple. And it's a message that we have literally been hearing since the beginning of time. Peace. Yeah. And whatever this issue is, I don't want more war with the goal of trying to achieve peace. Mm-hmm. We've tried that so many times in history and we're still right back where we started with countries invading other countries. Uh, this isn't even the first time Putin's done it. He annexed Crimea and it just happened. Nobody did a thing. It was almost like the world didn't care. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's going for all of Ukraine and I don't know, I, I really don't know what our role in this is. I know Canada's a, obviously a part of NATO. We're delinquent in maintaining our military funding but we did get called upon every nato country does mm-hmm. and and there's like a pot of troops that nato can draw on and everybody has to put up their pledges so canada we we, we probably the best part of our military is probably our navy we've actually got some functioning ships the subs not so good we bought those diesel subs from the uk they fucking sunk or broke or whatever. I, I don't <laughs> Did know. Did the opposite of what they were supposed to do. Yeah, yeah it right. was stupid. Gotcha. Uh, so the subs, forget those. But we do have some ships and we do have floating military hospitals and stuff like that. That seems like a no-brainer. Sure. We've got uh, some very highly trained special forces that if called upon, they could go in and do whatever it is that needs to be done. Beyond that, I mean... We, for like 15 years, have been arguing about which fighter jets we're going to buy. We still haven't bought any fighter jets. So we've still got these CF-18s in the sky, which are basically ancient technology. I don't know if that's going to hold up against the Russian Air Force. So it's probably a bad idea for us to offer jets right now. Mm -hmm. Can we offer troops? Well, 3,400 Canadian Armed Forces members were just put on standby. Now, NATO can use those troops or they can leave them. They don't have to use them if they don't want to, but we now have 3,400 Canadians on standby. Okay. But again, NATO is saying we're not sending ground troops in. They've said from the start, we will stock the region with NATO forces, but we're not putting forces on the ground in Ukraine. If this expands beyond Ukraine's borders, then it's a different story. Then he's tried to take over Europe. But until then, this is Ukraine's fight to fight is basically the message that I'm getting from America, from the UK, from Canada. We support Ukraine. We'll even send them weapons. But that's pretty well where it stops. If the Russians have got planes flying over Ukraine, we're not going to send up planes to shoot them down. That's all there is to it. They won't even enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine. So I get the feeling that NATO is really just going to try and take this from a sanction standpoint. Uh, what can we do here in Canada? That was a great question that you asked yesterday and today. Well, there's some who are saying, uh, even the premier, that we should be opening up our borders to Ukrainian citizens. We should eliminate some of the red tape and obstacles for them to come here. And I do agree with that. I do strongly agree. There's family members. There's people like, why, why, why would we not? Why would we not? I'm surprised there's anybody still there. 
to be honest with you. Anybody who wanted to get out of Ukraine, I don't know why they're still there. And and maybe it's different in each circumstance, but we've kind of known this was coming for a few weeks. I would have thought they would have bailed by now, but either way, now's the time to go. If the capital's going to get overrun this weekend by Russia, it would be the time to go. And if they can find safe haven here, particularly if they have family or or other opportunities, yeah, we should let them come here. Yeah, it I really does make you put things in perspective, doesn't it? Uh, liberal leader Stephen Del Duca this morning out with a proposal that the LCBO <laughs> stop selling Russian vodka. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, usually it's Doug that goes to the booze first, but you beat him to it. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of all the, the Russian prince vodka on the shelves at the mm. LCBO. I guess it's something, but we already bought it. I can understand not not importing you can't just more. Return it and be like, excuse me, it's not like an Amazon order. Like I have, <laughs> I have issue with this product. Please accept it back. You know, like there's a lot of things that we can do. Little things, symbolic things. Get those fu- Russian dolls that all fall into each other. Get those dolls that all go in smaller shots. You get them off the shelves, everybody. They're banned. Well, I mean. <laughs> No, I don't want to see another one of those thing coming out of another thing coming out of another. Th- get them out of here. Well, it's funny because some people saw that the call from Del Duca to ban the Russian <laughs> vodka. And I thought Putin doesn't care. Nobody's going to be running no. down the hall at the Kremlin. Vlad, <laughs> fuck the LCBO <laughs> just pulled all the Russian prints. The Stoli's gone. You can't buy a bottle anywhere. Nowhere in Ontario can you get Russian yeah. vodka. It's crazy i mean i guess he felt like he had to say something and is that that's the only thing that you could say just to show that you stand up for for the people of ukraine i guess that's the thing you say hey listen i mean we're trying to cripple the russian economy i guess and and sure vodka is a big export from russia so yeah i I just happen to think that maybe probably as a sign of solidarity with ukraine okay maybe we pull those bottles off the shelves for now but either way, we've bought it. If we want to say going forward, we will not import Russian vodka anymore. Okay, we could do that. And maybe somewhere down the line at some distillery somewhere in St. Petersburg, that'll sting a little bit. Maybe. But we do have to start having those conversations. Um, hey, listen, UEFA has already canceled one of the big semifinal matches that was supposed to be played in Russia. You Why doesn't say when is Team Canada going to come out and say, yeah, you know what? We're not going to be sending uh, any more hockey teams over to Russia for the next World Junior Hockey Championships, for example, or the next World Hockey Championship. That'd be a good stand to take. That would, there's another next step that we should probably look at. I don't know when the next one is or if that's going to make an impact either. But sure, there's lots of ways that you can show it. Again, I don't know how anything's really going to get done. It's not an, it's uh, maybe a lot of little things will go a long way, but I don't know. This is all small potatoes, small though. potatoes, small potatoes, which is also how they make the vodka. Small potatoes. <laughs> that's how and they do it in Russia. Full circle. <laughs> Uh, one more thing on Russia and Ukraine, and then we will go on to a couple other things. Can we say who's coming up at the end of the pod? You uh, were just on the phone a few minutes ago doing an yeah, interview. Yeah, sure. Every time I hear the song Hadaway, what I is love? Baby, don't hurt me. I think of he and Will Ferrell. It's Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan was on the uh, Celebrity Big Brother season. We just had it just ended with Misha Tate, badass MMA fighter, actually winning the thing. But Chris actually left the show. He left the show early, voluntarily. He didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't like it at all. I think, to be honest with you, I feel like he, I didn't, he didn't even watch it. So I'm going to talk to him about his time on Celebrity Big Brother. And also, I'm going to bring up Night at the Roxbury. There's actually some like dark things that happened, he said, around the time when he filmed it, which is coming up 24 years, by the way, since the Night at the Roxbury was out. But he said, 
me and Will Ferrell don't really talk too much anymore. So I'm going to ask, okay, but are you still up for a night at the Roxbury 2 if he called you tomorrow? So we'll find that out. Okay, Chris Kattan coming up. Uh, We'll do that before we wrap up this episode. That is going to be good. Uh, Last thing on Russia and Ukraine is the impact, not just in Russia, because uh, their stock market had a hell of a day yesterday with all those sanctions coming in. It Mm -hmm. was obviously wild there. It's impacting us too, though. Petroleum analyst Roger McKnight of Enpro International says the price at the pumps this weekend will shoot up five more cents a liter. A dollar sixty-five nine a liter by the end of this weekend. Within the coming weeks, two dollars a liter for gas. Why is it that we live in Canada here? Yes. And we definitely have a strong supply. Huge. Why are we getting it for that price? And why are other people outside of Canada really setting the price for us? I that always confuses me. And maybe I don't maybe it's not an easy thing to answer. Maybe it's not a clear cut. This is why. Maybe there's a lot of different factors, but I'm just, my mind is blown by the fact that we can't get, we should be getting gas at the cheapest rate you can find. We well, should, we we should all have a, a, an oil patch in our backyard. to goodness. There's a lot of oil, particularly in Alberta. So let's be clear. It's Alberta's oil. West, absolutely. Absolutely. And transport costs should be one thing that here in Ontario, for example, or out east. Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to factor that in. But aside from that, why the heck aren't we just using our own supply here? I mean, in in some cases we are. We do use Alberta oil. As far as I understand it, and I've never received a clear answer on this either, but it is a topic I'm interested in. As I understand it, even though we have a shit ton of oil here in Canada, the prices are determined globally. So even though it's ours and you can practically fucking see the refinery from here, we have to pay the same prices that everybody else is paying on the world market. Now, could we just siphon off a few extra barrels for ourselves and our own personal use? Yeah, we absolutely could. I don't know why we're not. Mm-hmm. You know, even in America, where they don't have as much oil, they did something smart, where they created a strategic reserve. And they've got somewhere in America just millions of barrels of oil that they can tap into if they ever need to, and boom, they will always have energy. That sounds great. We, not as organized, we do have a strategic supply of maple syrup. That's not a, not even a joke. That we, Canada has a strategic supply of maple syrup. Just in case there's a pancake emergency and all the maple trees fall over, we will never go without maple syrup. And it'll go very wrong if you try to put that in your gas tank. Fun, oh, fun fact. But um, could we use some of our own oil? I mean, I, I don't see why not. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this. Maybe there is, uh, uh, I'm sure there is, some international treaties on oil for the countries that make it and the other countries that buy and import it. But either way, it doesn't make sense to me that we're paying as much because it's certainly not that way in the Middle East where they also have a lot of oil. They're not paying anywhere near the rates that we're paying here. I know. So there has to be an exception to that rule. And you know what's happening right now because anytime we get on the topic of gas prices, we get it. I know. You st- Stop, stop. I know you're in the middle of typing your DM to us. I want to go electric. I want to go. I might go all electric next time because I've always said hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. My car is still fine. So it's still running. But it's times like this where I'm like, why am I spending this much in gas? Nothing's going to draw you more to that electric car market than news like this. Like, I want to be done with it. Okay, but wouldn't this be a great time and a great way 
sorry, to accelerate our effort to be the green country. Yeah. If the government would lean into this, if they would look at what's going on on the ground, if they would look and see a dollar sixty-five nine a liter for gas, and reports that it's going up to two dollars in the coming weeks, and say there has never been a better time to drop the incentives on people and tell them whether they bring back the rebates. And I actually didn't have a problem with the rebates. Mm -hmm. I know that there were some people who criticized them because you were basically subsidizing very wealthy people to buy very expensive cars. We could do something that would make them a lot more attainable. And if we would do that, holy cow. Hey, we know we don't have a ton of supply right now, but Lock in your order for 2022 mm-hmm. and you can lock mm-hmm. them in at 0% financing. The government will give you a credit. You'll use the carpool lanes. You won't have to pay for a sticker ever again. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And if you trade in your old car, we'll give you a, a tax rebate yeah. at tax time. There's got to be clever, creative incentives that won't necessarily cost the government that much, but would really drive people to get into that space that that electric vehicle market. Yeah, and you know eventually it's going to happen. Now's the time to start government. I'm talking about places to charge your vehicle because right now they're few and far between. You got to find them right here. You go to another place, apparently like I'll I'll throw out California and I always do anytime we talk about environmentally friendly because they're really ahead of the game. They really are ahead of the game. Everywhere you turn, you can find somewhere to plug your car in. I would like to have that here. I would love to have that here. Instead, they make it very inconvenient. You can charge it from home. That's great. And there are people who take shorter trips that'll say, guys, it's really not that big a deal. You charge it at home overnight, whatever. Easy peasy. You can use it for the next day, two days, whatever, however long it is, depending on how many kilometers you drive. I, want, I would like to see more in public spaces. And that's another thing the government can step their efforts up on because I don't see a ton of it. I really don't. Off the 401 mainly is when I see it. Maybe a couple off the expressway here and there and everywhere. But if we can get on that, I'm, I'm a fan of the rebates as well. I agree with you. Then let's get moving because these gas prices are redonkulous. Okay. Let's get to a couple other things before Chris Kattan and a Celebrity Big Brother Canada. No, Celebrity Big Brother. It's the regular Big Brother he was on, right? Celebrity Big Brother and Big Brother Canada. I'll actually be chatting with Arissa Cox, and maybe I'll throw that in next week. But I'm I'm talking with her about Big Brother Canada, which starts next week. Look at the interviews starting to pop up again, eh? You know what the problem is, though, is the they're still over Zoom and and, and phone calls and things like that. And there's always just delays and you have to worry about that. That's the part I really miss about the face-to-face. I don't miss the fact that I have to go through hair and makeup and all the other things if it's just a phone interview. But I do miss that face-to-face because you you get the reaction and the actual person in front of you. And that's nice. Uh, In a few, we're going to talk about the ejaculating bees. First off, a couple stories I want to fit in. You heard that right. Oh, this is absolutely right, guys. This is groundbreaking research that we're going to get to. First off, uh, you've obviously been on vacation before. Do you ever... It's been a minute, but yeah. yeah you, you ever end up in that shitty, awkward position where you're getting ready to go home and you're getting ready to go to the airport and, ah, shit, I should bring something back for this person or that person. 100 I can remember an exact moment where I was coming back from Mexico at the time and I remembered, oh, my niece and nephew's birthday's coming up and I got it at the gift shop in the airport. Ah, shit. Yeah, Sorry I Sorry to hear that. They didn't know a difference, which is good, but I was like, yeah, I found it. I got it at the resort. Right. You gave kids a bottle of Kahlua? Mm. Oh, <laughs> darn, you're not of age? I'll take, Auntie Cat will take that. Thank you very much. Uh, his name is James. He went to visit his father and he was, uh, he left obviously his family home. But he decided, you know what, I should bring something back for the kids. 
So he darted into a, a confectionery candy store, grabbed a box of prepackaged stuff and said, great, I'm going to bring him back some candy. This will be lovely. He gets home, hugs, hugs, kisses, kisses. Uh, let me unpack my suitcase, kids. I brought something for you. He handed them the candy. Yay! It was his oldest child that noticed that wasn't just any bag of candy. That was the kind of bag of candy that you might find at like a bachelorette party, for example. Oh, snap. He gave his kids an assortment of candies of all different body parts, including penises <laughs> and more. <laughs> Here, enjoy your dick pop, kid. <laughs> like I said, his oldest child pointed uh... out the blunder. Uh, he quickly gathered them all up and took them away from the kids to avoid a crisis. Had the kids ask questions. <laughs> what, he put them in his tickle trunk like, ooh, that's daddy's. <laughs> uh, sorry, those were for your mom. Uh, I didn't bring you anything. Fuck off. I'll buy you an ice cream. Uh, DQ later. Shut up. <laughs> from the am I an asshole section on Reddit, this man has caused quite the stir. In the Am I an Asshole section, this man asked if it was reasonable to expect his wife to do a few chores while she's pumping breast milk for their new child. Oh. (laughs) He works very hard, and he'd like to be able to relax after work and knowing that some things are taken care of. He explained he works long hours and wants to relax when he gets home, but that his wife asks him to look after their child for an hour. He told Redditors, is that what we call them? Redditors? I guess we do now. Okay, sure. He bought a portable pump so she, and I quote, wasn't stuck in one position and could do chores while she's pumping. Mm, mm -hmm. He even claimed she was lying about being in pain to justify getting a break. Oh, There's more. There are days I only have six hours off between shifts, but instead of sleeping, I have to watch our baby for an hour and it results in me only getting five hours of sleep Several times. You don't have a baby, knobhead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, is that a reasonable... And, and, and I'm going to... Because I'm getting the impression he's just a piece of shit. Sure. So, from his perspective, he works hard. He goes out and he brings home the bacon. He provides for his family and he puts in the hours. And frankly, all that kid-raising shit... That's up to you. You're the one who's staying home with the baby with fuck all to do all day except watch your stories and 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 whatever. When I get home from work, providing, uh, paying for this house and putting those groceries in the fridge, certain things need to be done. And by the way, I don't get a whole lot of time off, so don't even ask me to look after the kid. That's your job. The you kid. stay home so you can look after the kid. Yeah. I even felt filthy saying that. Yeah, I know you did. I know you did because you're not that kind of person. I'm, I'm I know, so not. I know you did. I, I'm far. <laughs> if I had breasts, I would breastfeed. <laughs> but here's the thing. So a couple of things on this. Okay, there's many things on this. What I will say is, number one, uh, do I believe that there are people who probably could do more with their time? Uh, m- maybe. Okay. Maybe the truth is before a baby, this this chick was a complete slob. That's a possibility. And trust me, I'm just playing. De- that's the only time I'm going to play devil's advocate here in this entire story. This is obviously a guy who has no idea what's happening. What I can tell you is. Um, so when I was pregnant with my first, I got all kinds of endorsement deals. It was fucking great. And one of them was with Medela, Medela Canada, breast pumps, all the other things, right? right. So they gave me a great uh, portable breast pump majigger. Right. With this, 
came. Did you also you post feeling, it on your Instagram? Are you, no. Are you feeling uncomfortable? But let me tell you. Well, it's because when you say a breast pump, I you made the motion to, like okay, around your right. boobs. So I'll just use this as an example, my bottle here. So they give you a... Uh, basically it's like a band that goes around your chest so that you can place these pumps on your nipples. That's where the milk comes out. Fun fact. So then you, you put the two bottles on there and then you can strap it to your chest and then you got the pump basically on a clip on your body, mm-hmm. right? And it's going, and it's oh, pumping. It makes a noise. Oh, it certainly does. Absolutely. It's a lot of technology used there. A lot of battery power. You have to charge it. So you got that on your hip, okay? You got this big pack. It's a battery pack, um, probably the size of like a regular, like old-fashioned camera kind of thing. Like it just kind of clips to your side. And then you got the pumps on your nipples. You tell me how you're supposed to possibly do chores with those things on. Because I'm telling you, I had, I did try. I did try to do things. I'm thinking, this is great. Hands-free. I can, you know, Swiffer and I can do things and I can cook. No, it's a fucking pain in the ass. I'll tell you that much. You can absolutely sit there and maybe maybe fold some laundry. Every now and again, you might clip it off and then she drips all over the place. It's a terrible experience. It's a, it, it's a good. It's very good in terms of your hands-free. Maybe that means you can be on your laptop and do some things like that. But you can only really do light chores even with that remote pack uh-huh. that, that for breastfeed pumping you really can't do much so i don't know what the fuck he expected i don't know if he expected like some fairies to come along and milk her and discreetly and she to be able to do anything she could possibly wanted to it doesn't happen like that they also encourage you to eat in those moments and drink water in those moments i don't know how young the baby is if it even said in this particular i i, I, I get the impression it's a newborn a newborn yeah you, there's so much stuff you have to do constantly. You have to take care of yourself first and foremost. So if that means you go with a sink full of dirty dishes, you go with a sink full of dirty dishes and you be fucking grateful that that person did so much for your child who can't do anything for themselves, just so that guy knows, the entire day while you were at work. It is most certainly more stressful. It is way, I could tell you, because I've worked hard days, long days in every single industry you can imagine. I've gone from job to job and I'm telling you, that is the most difficult job I've ever had, especially in those first like six months, I'd say, if not a year. And some people would argue, uh, it's forever. Sure. But it's definitely harder in those first six months because you're figuring shit out. Baby wakes up constantly. This guy's obviously like really needs a reality check. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but I really wish I could sit down and chat with uh, mom in this scenario and be like, what's up with that guy? There's a lot of people that have babies that are just really, truly don't understand the amount of work that goes behind it. And they assume, oh, good, you're a stay at home mom now. Good. Get all the shit done. On top of the fact, she's probably extremely emotional going through God knows what in her mind because her body just had a major major transformation. See what I mean? So all around, this guy's a dipshit is my answer to this. So he is an he's asshole. He's an absolute. No, I take it a step further. He's a real piece of shit. Oh. Um, so there's that. I certainly agree to that. I, there doesn't seem to be any form of him. Asking his wife, how are you? How are you doing? Like, I don't hear that. And maybe he didn't go into detail, but is he taking the time to sit down and be like, at the end of the day, how are you feeling? Are you feeling overwhelmed? What can I do to help you? I don't think he fucking asked one time. That's Probably what I not. think. And then that's what happens, right? People don't take the time to even ask. And they just assume, yeah, you get things done. You do that. Yeah, that's fine. You, your job is easy. Maybe you should talk to them and see, is your job easy? How are you feeling? How can I help you more? How can we do as a couple do this? It sounds like he's on his own in an island here and he just expects to have some kids so he can say he has a kid, but he doesn't want anything to do with anything else about it. It's insane to me. And this happens so often. It drives me crazy. But thankfully for every dipshit like that, there are amazing, very supportive partners that are there that help out, that don't ask questions if it's been a rough day. 
Thank God for that. Well said, Kat. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I have... I'm fascinated by it, and I have so much respect for the process that women go through when they're going to have a baby. It's an amazing process, but I don't know how you guys walk around with something moving around in your stomach. That, to me, seems like the most creepy thing ever. In fact, I can... Uh, I, I distinctly remember, like you could see like movement. You could actually see mm-hmm. her belly moving when when she was pregnant. And I thought to myself, it's like alien. Like I feel yeah. I'm traumatized watching that. How do you do that? It is. It's it's kind of, uh, it, you get used to it. I mean, it's a slow process. Don't forget. Like for you, you probably looked at your partner at the time's tummy and went, whoa, that's fucking weird. I thought I saw a foot. But that's a slow process. That takes nine months to get to the point where, well, probably less, to get to the point where a baby's kicking and punching and rolling all over the place. You kind of like oddly get used to it. Some people really like it. Mm-hmm. I personally, I, there were certain things I liked only in moments, but my kid was like nocturnal. Both of them were like nocturnal. So they only like to move and stuff when I was trying to sleep and that drove me crazy. It's it's neat though. It's special. I mean, you, don't, you only get that for a very short time unless you're the type that gets pregnant a lot that has like 14 kids and you've experienced it so long, you probably forget what it's like to not feel that feeling. But yeah, it's 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 strange. It's absolutely alien like. You're not wrong there, but you have a connection. That's your baby. So it's a right. little different. It's not like this is an alien and you don't know them. This is a being that you're making in your body. So you already have like a strange like special bond, you know? Right. Getting milked like with the pump there that you were talking about a few yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what it sounds like. It yeah. seems very industrial. I mean, that's kind it of is. weird. It is industrial. Yeah, absolutely. What does that you feel, feel like? like? You feel like a cow being milked, basically. Probably. Like, yeah. we can get you on all fours and give you one of those, <laughs> like the, the ski in yeah. here. But, I, I mean, the machines and the technology obviously make it a lot easier absolutely. and more sanitary and, and things like that. And but it's know, still got to be weird. And, like, they're sucking milk out of your boobs. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is a, that's, that's a weird one to get used to, but so is breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is a weird one to get used to. Like the, that feeling of little baby suckling on your nipple, but you know that that's what they need. You just, it's weird though. It, it, you're just kind of born like that. If you just know that's just an instinct. It's so weird to explain to people who've, ne- who've never felt that feeling, but you just know this is, and it's not for everybody. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to say breastfeed everybody. I actually only did it for six months with both kids. So I wasn't a hardcore good on you. If you did it up until however old your kid was, it wasn't for me for that long. And also because I had to get back to work. But it's, it is definitely a strange feeling. It's very strange at first, and then it just becomes kind of a very natural. Okay, one more question on this, and then I'm going to leave <laughs> okay. you alone. And I'm only asking because I find it fascinating. Do you make a decision in your head that these are going to transition back from uh, a meal-delivering uh, device to more of a, a, a sexual-type thing? For example, maybe your partner likes to play with your boobs. Some guys do. Yeah. But at some point, or at one point after you've given birth, they're obviously very sensitive, particularly if you're breastfeeding and things like that. At some point, they go back to being sexy and less about food. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there's times in between where they could still be sexy. It all depends. Uh, like some, It all depends. It varies by person. Like some people think, okay, these are off limits until I'm done breastfeeding, maybe. Yeah. I don't know because I've actually never had that conversation with um, girlfriends of mine who strictly breastfed. I never did. But- I would imagine for some people, yeah, you know what, that's, and, and they don't want anything to happen because leaks happen and things like that. Maybe they're just like, you know what, these are just going to be off limits for a little bit. We'll get back to that when it's time. So yeah, I think it's easy to make that transition. So it's not like you put a, an X on the calendar and say, hey, that's the day. 
No. Uh, spring break's coming. I don't think so. And to be honest, with, I, I think it's most. I think it's definitely most on the wo- woman who's breastfeeding to decide that. Sure. Absolutely, because I don't see a problem. Partners don't usually have a problem with it as much. There's like, yeah, give me that. I don't care. Did you? Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, like they. I don't think it, they they care much really. Well, I won't touch him. Can I motorboat him though? Like anything? <laughs> Nothing. Fuck. Just, just look. You remember that heat wave that we had last year out in British Columbia? Yeah. It was insane. It got, what was it, 46 degrees Celsius or something like that? It was wild. One of the things that happened during that heat wave, and they reported it in several areas of BC, was a lot of dead bees. Right. Well, that's a concern. Very we, much so. I remember that. The world needs bees. Yes. They decided to research them at uh, it's actually my daughter's program that did it oh cool it's uh at ubc michael smith laboratories teamed up and studied the health of the bees and they wanted to know why so many of these bees died off and as it turns out they learned more than they thought they were going to it had a lot to do with the trauma of the heat That heat was just punishing. It was oppressive. People didn't want to be out in it. Animals didn't want to be out in it. Bees didn't want to be out in it. I I get it. But when they were studying this, they learned something that apparently we didn't know. When drones, bees, when drones die from shock, they shoot a load. Really? They spontaneously ejaculate. (laughs) Wow. Spontaneous ejaculation are not two words that typically go together. Normally, there's a decent amount of work that goes into an ejaculation. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the people listening to this right now going, well, that's a good way to go out at least. <laughs> I don't think it was really out of pleasure. I don't even think bees can experience pleasure. I'm not even sure if we know that much information about bees. There are certain creatures that we know. I- I'm not sure about bees. I-, I still think we're at the point, if I'm not mistaken, and I have done research on bees only because I really like bees and I'm all about protecting them and I think it's so important. But it, from what I remember... Um, we don't even know if bees have consciousness and if they don't have consciousness, then they wouldn't be able to feel those fear feelings of pain or whatever. It's basically just strictly for, I guess, for mating purposes, question mark. I don't know that much, but that's, um, that's interesting. They just, so they collected all of these dead bees on the floor, basically. Yes. Scooped them up, brought them to the lab and found out. They had just come everywhere. They just shot a load everywhere. Okay. Just like a big bee cum party. Okay. Because there were hundreds of them in, wow. in various areas. They say they witnessed the same disturbing phenomenon, which they claimed was endangering the survival of their colonies. And these deaths aren't pretty. When male workers die, they start convulsing, which causes their endophallus, a sexual organ about the size of their own abdomen, to burst out of their posterior. In other words, bees literally sexplode when things get too hot. Oh, my. And he, humans just shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but bees just jizz everywhere. Very, I mean, it, it is interesting, though. I mean, I find those kinds of things interesting. I mean, if you're into that sort of stuff, it, sure, I... I'll follow up with my daughter on it. I'm sure she was probably part of that. She might know a little bit more. Um, It's the weekend. And it's pretty remarkable that after all this time inside over the last little while, people still don't want to go out. 
71% say they actually enjoy it or look forward to it when the possibility of plans for this weekend getting canceled happen. (gasps) 75% say there's nothing better than having no plans for the weekend. Hmm. Remember the time, what was it, roughly two years ago, when, oh, it's the weekend. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Let's figure it out. Let's make plans. Let's get together. Now people don't want to do it. We are far less social than we used to be. I think we are too. They say the vast majority would much rather stay in their own home with other people coming to them. Okay. So it's not necessarily a less social in this case. It's just a, I don't want to go out. I don't want to deal with the shit. I don't want to put myself at risk or whatever it is that makes you not want to go out. You'd much rather a smaller gathering of people coming to your home. In fact, 70% of people say that's a much needed therapy session to get everybody over and shoot the shit. I find that that is such a reflection of my life. Absolutely. And and I, maybe a lot of people would agree. There's a lot of people that are ready to get back out there, Scott. I know that. I see it. There's some people that are like, yes. And they're ready to, well, travel is, I think, at a different level, right? We're t- travel's a totally different subject. Right. But they're ready to go to those restaurants and bars, maybe clubs, maybe, you know, whatever it might be, social spots. But the majority that I see are opting for that. I mean, even more recently when my girlfriends and I got together, it was, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to go here, go there, go there? And everybody kind of collectively was like, you know what? This last couple of years has been so good being chill. So we did like chill clothes, wine, just absolutely no pressure. And from here forward, we all agreed, let's just do this. This is so much easier. And I think those small social gatherings too, and that's kind of what I've done every every weekend since when I was allowed to have people over. It's been, you know, small get-togethers, my brother's wife and their kids. It's been my neighbors coming over, just like these small chill gatherings. And I don't necessarily love when when plans are canceled. It all depends what the plan was. Let's be honest. There are some things that you're happy to be that are canceled and some things you're like, ah, oh, that's too bad. But there's also, you're so comfortable now figuring out what to do on weekends where there's nothing to do, right? Like before, maybe you'd be like, I don't know what to do with myself. There are some people that are so social that are like, I can't possibly say, like come back on Monday to work and say I did nothing. I need to do something to say I've done something. I feel like that pressure has been totally lifted off of some people. I have no problem if I have one of those weekends that are chill, just coming back from work and be like, you know what? Not a lot. Cleaned. I watched some shows. Drank a bottle of wine. It's a, that's a good fucking weekend. Very unproductive, like, you know, but great. Very unproductive. And I think we all need that. So I think like it's, I don't know if it's a great thing or not, because I know there are some people that think Ooh, we should try to at least remain social. But like you said, based on the survey, it's not like we're not being social. We're just maybe a little more either picky choosy about those social groups for those reasons of being scared Or maybe we seek out only those groups we actually really want to hang out with. And I think a lot of us have let some relationships go over the last couple of years. Is anyone else in that boat? Is there anyone who you feel like, or people, and I don't want to single you out, but just generally for everybody, that you feel like I haven't really talked to them and I'm not sure I'm going to go back to that relationship I had with that, that person or those people or that group because it's kind of been like, whatever, I don't really need it. Absolutely. Like I have. There's certain people that I feel like, yep, there's a good friend. I'm going to hang out with them more. And other people that I don't even miss them a little bit. Yeah. It's great. Or I don't stay in touch with as much anymore. The adult toy company, Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. Adam and Eve. And what is it you get when you place an order? (laughs) Not one. Not two. 
but 575 Fred David Des. <laughs> they asked people to name the best time of day for sex. Evening is still the most popular. Evening hmm. came out. Evening comes out ahead <laughs> of late night. Okay. 20% prefer late night getting it on. One in 10 say mornings are the best time for sex. Oh. 8% prefer the afternoon delight. Only 8%? Only 8% uh, like the- uh, I demand a recount. The sweet glow <laughs> of that 3 p.m. sun in the coming in the window. Rockets in flight. <laughs> afternoon was the least popular overall, but they say it is trending up. When they asked people last time they did the survey, only 5% wanted the afternoons. To be honest with you, everybody's so fucking busy. It doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> just whenever you can, just fit you can. it in. It's, is, it, is it really when you want it or when you can have it? Because I feel like some people may do it in the evenings because that makes the most sense after they're done all of the things they got to get done for the day and then they can actually relax and that's the time where they're like, okay, I can focus on my partner or my fling or whatever it is. Now I can get into it. Or is it really that like our... Is that really what we want? You know, like maybe we maybe we are morning people, but are but are, there's no one around in the mornings for us. You know, or what if we really are midday people, but there's nobody there or you're working off oh, fucking work. It ruins everything, doesn't it? Or afternoons. Maybe that's your thing. But really, you just can't find a way to do it. You know, so is it really wanting it at those times or is it just that's the time that works for me best? There's never a bad time for sex. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll grant it maybe well, right after dinner. Probably yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> well, uh, I'm full. Let's get to it. <laughs> you know, little things like that you take into account. But I mean, for me, I go to bed at nine o'clock. My girlfriend doesn't go to bed till, I don't know, like 11, 12, whatever. I have no idea when she goes to bed. <laughs> right. Evening time doesn't work. Or sorry, evening yeah. time is great. Yeah. But then we've got all the responsibilities of after work to get done. Sure. So you've really got to fit it in, so to speak, when you can. Sure. And um, sometimes the best time is just when you can. When you can. Yeah. So, hey, however you do it, you just keep on doing it, fuckers. <laughs> You just keep on doing it. Just be safe. A <laughs> uh, quick follow-up from yesterday before we get to Chris Kattan. Uh, a lot of people messaged me yesterday because they noticed what you did. Yesterday, we did the podcast real quick, and then I had to get to another studio for a Zoom call. That was uh, a court proceeding, and it's related to my my uh, divorce. And so I said, okay, Kat, this is you. You post the podcast. And I know exactly how you did it. Cat posted a picture of after nine. It was a ban. The problem is it was a banner image. That was the problem, wasn't it? And it was rectangular, whereas the podcast calls for a square image. So when Cat posted the picture, it only said the after nine podcast with a picture of Cat, and it actually said Cat Callahan, but it didn't show me or say Scott Fox. Hey, you know what my problem was? First of all, I couldn't figure out what image I was allowed to use because I know that can be an issue. You got to be careful which images you use. I don't want to get sued or shit. So I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. What picture could I use? So I thought I'll just default. Well, truth be told, that initial After 9 podcast photographic that we have, not a big fan of it. So I, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but otherwise I just don't. So we got new photos taken for the podcast. So I thought, perfect. Why is this not, how do I upload this? So I had to find it on the internet because do does anybody even care? Does anyone even care that I'm my, do you guys want to hear my explanation? She featured a picture of herself. But, that no, was all it was. I didn't. So 
I went to the internet webs because I was on your login. So I couldn't get to my email, which had all of our, the proper square image of the new after nine podcast graphic, which I wanted to put in there because I just wanted a generic one in that I wouldn't get sued for. I couldn't get to, and it's not saved on our servers. I checked all the servers. Again, I was on your profile and I'd already set up the podcast. So I said, F this, I'll go to the internet and I'll find it. So it's at 915thebeat.com. So I copied the image, but it's rectangular. So when I put it in, I just thought, great, awesome. I did not even think any further than that. I just put it in. I knew it was up. said, fuck it. It's in. But today, why don't you just edit it and it can just be Scott Fox. You want to do that? Uh, no, I'll be fair. I'll be fair. It'll be fine. It was honest to goodness a mistake. I thought you were going to say they called me out for the other thing. Because the other day, I got to say, I'm not, I'm not stupid. In some topics, I am. But in this particular case, it was a total, I totally misspoke. But somebody sent me a text when we were talking about grocery stores and how obnoxiously expensive some of them are. And I mentioned I went to Loblaws. It was a dollar for a lime and lemons. And they said, you realize you said it's four for $5 or five for $5 somewhere else. I meant to say five for a dollar, Okay. It's been a long, like Scott said off the top, it's been a long week. Leave me alone. And it was a completely misspeaking situation. What's going on over there in your phone? Oh, I just, my doorbell called. Oh, okay. Your doorbell called you? That's impressive. What's your doorbell want? It wanted to tell me that that man right there in the van is at the door. Okay. (laughs) He was at the door. I ignored him. I don't know who the fuck that is. I do love that you can monitor your house from anywhere. I do that all the time. So great. I'm such a creep. Um, okay, let's get to this thing. Yes. Um, yeah, so Chris Catan joining the show. Thank you, by the way, for downloading the After Nine podcast. Oh, you might want to know, hey, where's Dave Lazard? He is such an important boss man that he had meetings with other important managers, and apparently we're not more important than those important managers. Just kidding, we know we're not. Uh, but that's the one thing with Dave is he does have very important things to do sometimes. So he couldn't make it today. He will definitely be in next week. He didn't say that, but I'm going to go ahead and declare him definitely in for next week. And we will chat with you on Monday. Here is my interview with Chris Kattan. Hi, Chris. Hey. How you doing? Good. We're here in Canada, so we're actually suffering some pretty nasty weather at the moment, but that's okay. We'll get through. Seems like there's nasty weather everywhere. All the time. Constant. Right it's constant. So Celebrity Big Brother just came to an end. I, I'm a big Big Brother fan. Here, our uh, home network is Global TV, so that's where it aired. We have our own Big Brother Canada thing going on and you um left the show voluntarily and i am curious to know now that the finale is up and you're doing the interview rounds and everything else do you have any regrets with your choice uh no i i i, I don't i wanted to keep my integrity and i missed my family and my girlfriend yeah. maria i just wanted to uh i'm not a big alliance fan and i loved everyone on the show but i was like i don't think i could uh, keep going um you know, as much as I enjoy watching the show, being on it is a totally different experience. So I don't regret it, but um, I do uh, I do love watching the show a lot. So and, uh, I also want to get back to work on other things. Like I have this show called Hey Katan on YouTube. Yes. And um, that's a big thing that everybody's watching now. So, and of course, my Instagram, Chris Katan Official, you can get to to watch it. And uh, I'm doing a lot of live um Setup shows coming up and working on a one-man show and yeah. different movies are coming out. So that's exciting I, I stuff. I don't regret it at all, but uh, I don't regret it as much as the show I am is watching it. Being on it is a totally different experience. 
So are you interested in when it comes up this summer, will you be watching it, knowing now what it's like to be inside that house and how, how difficult it was? Do you think that you are going to be a fan of the show going forward? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I do like watching it. It's just like your live stuff, like you don't even know yeah. that's happening when you're on the show. Yeah. It's really like hard to gauge. Yeah. And when you go like, oh, my God, I had no idea that conversation was happening. And were there moments as well where you kind of forget you're being filmed? I feel like you probably get used to those surroundings, and after a while, you might forget. Uh, you do, and you have to be careful about what you say and stuff, um, obviously. But um, that was okay. It was just like, it was hard to find a place of privacy. I mean, there's no privacy on the show. You know, and that's difficult uh, to be, you know, you get to shower in front of a camera, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, I would figure. I don't know if I could do it. I honestly don't. So good on you. Um, and speaking of, it's I know you... Hard, it, yeah, it's a hard show to do. I bet. Um, yes, you mentioned your YouTube channel. I'm glad you did because you got a lot of fun things on there. Are we expecting a lot of uh, celebrity guests that, that pop on as well? And some of your friends? You've got a lot of friends in the industry. Do they pop on as well? On Hey Katan? Yeah, the, uh, they will. Yeah, I would think so. You know, that that's... We have a different short every week, so... That should be a lot of fun to keep going. And, um, yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. And of course, a lot of stand-up shows and other stuff coming up. But, um, but yeah, so, um, but the show, Celebrity Big Brother, I just wanted to leave with integrity and my friendships on the show, yeah. you know, because right, I left right before a lot of the drama really happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, all the alliancing and yeah. all gets- the, you know, the stuff where you lie behind people's back and it's just kind of like, you know, it's just too much. It gets cutthroat. Yeah, it gets very cutthroat. And that's the part I think would get, you don't realize when you're watching it, it's entertainment, right? When we're watching as, as people who are just kind of consuming right. the show, it's like, oh, it's like watching any other drama, but that's your that's your life in the moment and you don't have anything on the outside. So I suppose that would be a weird feeling. It's not like you can text your, your loved ones and be like, oh, I had a really tough day, you know, and do those venting things that we're all used to doing when there is drama in our own lives, right? Right, yeah, that, that part where you can't connect to the outside world was really getting to me, yeah. uh, family and, you know, and, and, and friends and loved ones. And, and that part was the part where I was like, it's really hard to... You know, because you, you, you want to, if, if I just was like allowed a minute to go outside and then come back in, it would have been different. But right. Right. it was just hard to, uh, you know, be part of in that way. But I love watching the show. Being on is a different story, but yeah, I, I bet. Love watching the show. I bet. Um, Chris, we're coming up on, the, you might be sick of getting questions about Night at the Roxbury, but I mean, when you look at the amount of people who still watch that movie, I think it's on Prime, you can get it here still and it's has like a four point whatever like almost a five star rating people love it and we're coming up on the 24th anniversary this year i think uh i know you've mentioned in the past you've been through this in the past before you said you'd be down for a part two if will was is there any movement on that or any anything new in that area do you still feel the same way uh i do feel the same way i love to work with will on it that'd be so much fun i i I admire his work and doing a sequel on that film would be a lot of fun um but, uh, you know, in the meantime, I have the show Hey Katan on YouTube that I really love doing. And because uh, I do love doing sketch and working with other yeah. people and having fun. Good. You know, it's all about just having a good time, mostly, you know. That's what it's really all about. You know, where can I have a good time? Yeah. And it and, seemed like um, you're a fun guy. It you know. seems like you're just a fun guy to be around. Yeah. And that, that, that was 
part of why I left Celebrity Big Brother is because it just didn't be, it wasn't fun anymore. Right. It got so serious and dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I went on to have a good time, and I was like, this is not the place to have a good time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And that's the, you don't want to be a part of that, and I totally understand that. Chris, thank you so much. So Chris Catan, find him on Instagram for the links. Hey, Catan, you can see it on YouTube, and you keep people updated, I'm sure, on Twitter and Instagram when it comes to your stand-up shows and how they can get uh, be a part of it and grab tickets, right? Yeah, Chris Catan Official on Instagram is where to go check me out, so. But, um, yeah, so that's where you go. And Hey Katan on YouTube, you click and subscribe. And there's a, a different uh, sketch every week, a new sketch every week. All right, we'll check that out. Thanks for your time, Chris. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, thank you, guys. As you know, Russia is now at war with Ukraine. Uh, it is a crazy world we're living in. In fact, uh, today President Biden asked the CDC to find a new variant just to lighten the mood. <laughs> yeah, World War III. A global pandemic, the Queen has COVID, rising inflation. Billy Joel's already working on a remix of We Didn't Start the Fire. I mean, he's got, he's got two good verses right there, right? According to a new study, the erectile dysfunction drug Viagra can be used as a treatment for dogs with a rare eating disorder, though it's not going to help with the embarrassment at the pharmacy. It's for my dog! In the past few days, Elon Musk's net worth dropped below $200 billion. Oh. That's right, Elon Musk is no longer worth over $200 billion. Now when he flies to space, he has to connect in Cleveland. <laughs> the After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.